0: Greetings to all of you. Uh, my name is Pastor Neil Wemus. I am an associate pastor at St. Paul Luther Church in Ida Grove, Iowa. Uh, this is a recording for Monday Thursday, and honestly, it's kind of a preview recording of the Maundy Thursday services you are going to have all around the country. There's going to be variations to all the services, and so really the purpose of this is we're going to, hear, we're going to sing some of the hymns, Uh, I'm going to read two of the scripture readings and, well, two of the possible scripture readings, I should say, and uh, we are going to, um, and I'm also going to kind of go over what happens on Maundy Thursday to kind of get you in the mindset, thinking about the service in the event that you hear this before Maundy Thursday. Uh, This is not... Hopefully, this will be encouragement for you to go. So, we're going to start by singing the hymn, The Lamb, uh, which is hymn number 547 in Lutheran's service book.
1: The Lamb, the Lamb, O Father, where's the sacrifice? Faces, believes. God will provide the lamb a price. Worthy is the lamb whose death makes me his own. The lamb is reigning on his throne. The lamb, the lamb, one perfect final offering. The his praise to sing. praise to sing worthy is the Lamb whose death makes me his own the Lamb is reigning on his throne the Lamb the Lamb as wayward sheep their shepherd kill so still his will On our behalf the law to fill. Worthy is the Lamb whose death makes me His own. The Lamb is reigning on His throne. He sighs, He dies, He takes my sin and wretchedness. He lives, forgives, he gives me his own righteousness. Worthy is the Lamb, whose death makes me his own, the Lamb.
0: Begin by reading um, the Epistle Lesson for Monday, Thursday, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We sing hymn 617, O Lord, we praise Thee. This is the hymn of the day for Maundy Thursday.
1: O Lord, we praise Thee, bless Thee, and adore Thee. In thanksgiving bow be for Thee. Thou with thy body, and thy blood didst nourish our weak souls that they may flourish. O Lord, have mercy. May thy body, Lord born a Mary, that our sins and sorrows did carry, and thy blood. For us plead, in all trial, fear, and need. O Lord, have mercy. Thy holy body into death was given, Life to win for us in heaven. No greater love than this to thee could bind us, May this feast thereof remind us, O Lord, have mercy. Lord, thy kindness did so constrain thee that thy blood should bless and sustain me. All our debt thou hast paid Peace with God once more is made. O Lord, have mercy. May God bestow on us His grace and favor that we follow Christ our Savior and live together here in love and union nor despise this blessed communion. O Lord, have mercy. Let not thy good spirit forsake us. Grant that heavenly minded he make us. Give thy church, Lord, to see. Days of peace and unity, O Lord, have mercy. The
0: Sacrament of the Altar, as it is written in Luther's Small Catechism. What is the Sacrament of the Altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself, for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The Holy Evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is a New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words, Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, Show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Who receives this sacrament worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training. But that person is truly worthy and well prepared, who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, But anyone who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared, for the words for you requires all hearts to believe. Let us pray. O Lord, in this wondrous sacrament you have left us a remembrance of your passion. Grant that we may so receive this, the sacred mystery of your body and blood, that the fruits of your redemption may continually be manifest in us, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue with hymn four forty six Jesus greatest at this table, at the table. Um, just so you know, I am using a different tune as is recorded in the hymnal, because the the tune I'm going to go with I can sing better, so that's what we're going to go with. The tune that we're using is "Let Old Mortal Flesh
1: Keep Silence." Tune. Jesus, greatest at the table. The Almighty Son of Man laid aside His outer clothing, poured some water in a pan, as the twelve lay hushed in silence. HE THE SERVANT'S TASK BEGAN. MARVEL HOW THEIR LORD AND TEACHER GENTLY TAUGHT THEM NOT TO VIE AS HE HUMBLY knelt BEFORE THEM DUSTY FEET TO WASH AND DRY by his tender touch expressing true compassion from on high. Jesus took the role of servant when upon that gruesome span, for all human sin. He suffered as a violent, loathsome man on the cross poured out like water to fulfill the Father's plan. Can we faith fathom such deep mercy? Do we see what God has done? Who can grasp this great reversal? Love that gives His only Son. Christ the sinless for the sinners. For the many dies the one. Jesus gave to his disciples a commandment that was new. Show my love to one another. Do as I have done for you. each
0: The Gospel lesson for Monday, Thursday is taken from John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet only, but also my hands and feet. I mean, hands, My hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathes does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O
2: Christ.
0: So, today is Monday Thursday, and before I go into the last song, I'll just kind of give you a little um, preview of what to expect from the Monday Thursday service. Monday Thursday is the is the first of is marks the beginning of the Holy Three Days or the Holy Triduum. So it's not a um not three services, but three days worth of services. Which begins some point after six o'clock on Monday Thursday. As I'm recording this, it's just short of three o'clock, so in a few hours. Um Is the beginning of the Holy Triduum. And in all reality, it marks the end of Lent. Lent, yes, I mean, it is Lent, but it isn't. See, the whole season of Lent, all the way up until 6 o'clock today, all of it is all about preparing your heart, preparing your mind for the feast. And the feast is the holy Triduum. And the holy Triduum is not one service. It is, like I said, it's three days. It begins with Monday Thursday. And so to give you kind, which you know it's tonight, Monday Thursday, the word Maundy comes from the Latin word uh, mandata, which means uh, t- means command. And the reason it is called that is because you heard it in uh, both of our epistle and our gospel lessons you heard that there was a command there's a command given by God um, to his uh, to his people and so the in the in the epistle lesson the command was to do this in remembrance of me referring to the Lord's Supper. The command in the Old Testament lesson, uh, or not the Old Testament, the Gospel lesson was the command to love one another as I have loved you. So, that's why it's called Maundy Thursday. Um, Also, it's called Holy Thursday. At one time, it was called Green Day, not to be confused with the band, but at one time, it was called Green Day. Um, So, the service marks itself. Because it is the first of a couple services that do not begin with a hymn. We as Lutherans are so incredibly used to our services beginning with some type of a hymn. Well, that doesn't happen with uh, Maundy Thursday or Good Friday, which is tomorrow. And it doesn't happen with the Easter Vigil. All of them kind of start with a relative silence. And so you come into um, your Maundy Thursday service. Things are darker, darkened, I should say. And so you're getting ready. And so, like I said, there's no hymn. And you go right into a confessional address. And the confessional address is its kind of actually, there was actually a confessional address that we did all the way back at Ash Wednesday. I apologize if... Um, you're hearing my voice go away and come close. That's because I am moving around a little bit, um, just to keep comfortable. Like I said, before, my chair gets uncomfortable a little bit, so I sometimes need to get up and move around. But anyways, on Ash Wednesday, there was a confessional address, which kind of served is the intro to the Lenten season. A preparation for what we are to go through for the next Forty days leading into Easter. Well, today Monday Thursday you're going to get another confessional address, which is basically kind of the reverse. It's a a summary of the Lenten season um, that we have just gone through, and this is kind of the way it is. Is Ash Wednesday and um, Monday Thursday kind of bookend each other? Ash Wednesday starts serves as the beginning of Lent. And Monday, Thursday is the marker of Lent coming to an end, and so it begins with that confessional address, and there's you know confession of sins. Then we roll right into the service again. No hymnody yet. You roll right into the service. You might do an intro, you might do a psalm or whatever, but you pretty much just go right into the service. Some now, this is one thing that's kind of a variation amongst many churches. And right away you can tell which variation you're going to get based upon the colors of the church. Many church, what color the church is on Monday, Thursday, there are three different options. There is white. Oh, there is white. There is scarlet. So like kind of like a blood red. And um, there is uh, purple, violet, the typical Lenten color. If a church goes with white, the reason they go with white is because they're focusing very much on the institution of the Lord's Supper. That is going to be the heart of the service, celebrating the Lord's Supper, the sacrament. Um, And so for that reason, they're going to have white, because in the Lord's Supper, we receive the forgiveness of sins. And so white is very appropriate. And so um, many churches... You will not hear, the bells will ring on Palm Sunday, and that is the last time you hear the bells ring until um, till the some point during the Easter vigil, which I will talk about that on Saturday. But that's the last time you will hear them. Well, some will bring out the bells at the start of Maundy Thursday, communicating this kind of more victorious um celebration um not full-blown celebration like what Easter will be but there's kind of a celebrative nature because this is the institution of the Lord's Supper it's recognizing its significance and so you'll even have the glory to Chelsea's um you know glory be to God on high on you know that one um that's been missing ever since Lent's start they will pull that out just for this day um I am of the opinion, I don't really like doing that because I think, um, and I'm not saying you can't do that, and I understand the argument for it. Because many people, because the other response, this is I'm in this group, is to go with either violet or scarlet for the color for today. And the reason is, now not many churches will have scarlet because scarlet is such a rare color. But scarlet is actually the traditional color for both Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday, much the whole, all of Holy Week, um, up until Good Friday. And, you know, those who go with the Scarlet or the Violet, they are trying to focus more on the theme or the narrative of Lent. And if you're, that, and that's where I kind of stand on. And I believe that when you go to the White, if you break out the Gloria in Chelsea's, and you do you bring out the bells? It kind of weakens the joy of the um, Easter that is to come, because Easter, because if you you got a little taste of you got a little bit of it on Monday Thursday, it felt you kind of shorten up the way. It's kind of like um, you know somebody give it's like giving up something, and a lot of people do that during Lent. They decide they're not going to eat chocolate the whole time. And then all of a sudden, they have a big old chocolate bar on Monday, Thursday, and then on Easter. And then it doesn't feel that big of a deal that when on Easter, they do it again, because it's only been two days since they had a candy bar. So it's kind of, I know that's not the perfect analogy, but I do feel like it shortcuts the over the exceeding joy that has to come with Easter. And so, I prefer sticking with the violet. And so we don't do we're probably so many churches will not do the glory to chelsea's and so it's good it is a very bare bones liturgy and this is not to save time or anything it is because there is just the service is supposed to be that way it's because you are going you're thro- you're stripping away as much of the celebrative nature of the divine service as it normally is because we are going into the depths of the crucifixion. And so, like I said, we're in the... Tr- so today is the beginning of that holy triduum. And, and so the service, the three days, so it is beginning with this Maundy Thursday. And um, eventually... And so you, the service is very stripped down. You do have some hymnody. You do the you do the um, you have the sacrament of the altar, uh, the Lord's Supper. Um, some will make it the tradition that there will be absolutely no music during the Lord's Supper, which is kind of unusual for most Lutherans, most people. Most people during the Lord's Supper, you're singing a couple of really good hymns, or at least the organist is playing something. But they, there's some that will have nothing, and there's something powerful to that. So the idea is that. The pastor is going around the only thing you're hearing is for you, for you, for you. The, take, eat, this body is for you. Take, drink, this blood is shed for you. And so you. that's all you're hearing is for you, for you, for you. And so and there's something powerful to that. Um, and again, it communicates the solemn nature. And it's after the Lord's Supper... That Monday Thursday truly stands out is that right after the last after the Lord's Supper. The pastor there is no uh, post communion hymn, so you don't do the nuptimittis or anything like that. You go straight in to the post communion prayer, and once that's prayed, the congregation. There's a couple ways that this is done. Um, some will do it that they'll start stripping the altar right at this point. So, in other words, um, the altar will be stripped, and so there will be um, they'll remove the the altar book, the the candles, they'll um, the pyramids, the uh, you know on the the altar cloths, the stuff on the pulpit to the point that there is absolutely nothing, except for maybe um, the crosses are draped in black, those will still be there draped, but otherwise there is nothing. And the, the, the sanctuary is left bare. And so this is, and while that, and so some will do that right off the bat, um, and then after that is completed psalm 22 is read or chanted um the congregate with the congregation in unison the other practice is that the pastor might do it or a lay person whoever might do it all by themselves they may speak it or they might chant psalm 22 while the altar is being stripped and so the idea there it's so and the reason you say Psalm 22 is because Psalm 22 is a prophecy regarding the crucifixion. And Psalm 22 has the prophecy contained within it, the prophecy concerning Jesus being stripped. So, and then when you're done, there's no, there's no benediction, there's no closing hymn, The church, the congregation, leaves in silence. And the reason there is no benediction, the reason there is no closing hymn, is because the service is not completed. The Triduum, as I mentioned, is a holy three days that begins with the Monday Thursday service. And really, the service does not end until... Saturday evening. And so it so like I said we end with but there's a, no benediction no closing hymn and so the congregation exits in silence. And everybody, you know, is exiting in silence and there is tradition that people will choose to fast. They will be virtually silent at home. They won't talk that much um they will be watching you know tv movies they'll probably be a good practice is to actually read if you are going to watch a movie it should be something like the passion of christ or the 10 commandments and i'm talking about good christian movies not um half-baked ones um but i'm serious like the really good ones like the passion of christ is a great great one to watch um during that time and so and the reason they do this, why people fast, the reason why people will be kind of taken vow of silence, so to speak, um, is because the service is still going. And it's recognizing that the service is still in session. And you're just taking a break. And so tomorrow I am going to do a bit of a recording on Good Friday, a Good Friday recording, but I'm not going to talk about the Good Friday liturgy. I'm going to talk about that now. And the reason is, is because tomorrow I am going to record a good a special Good Friday type devotional. Um, so, so what happens is on Good Friday, Good Friday is the services begin at noon. Traditionally, not all, not many churches do this anymore, but traditionally is it would start at noon. And so at noon, they would begin with what is known as the chief service or some do the services known as the tray or um the three hour service the tray or goes from noon to three there's not a lot of churches that do it but it does exist um but or they do the chief service which is usually about an hour and a half if you do the full thing hour and a half two hours it's it is a lengthy service because the prayers are long um there is communion um things like that and so the chief service uh begins, and we're actually going to do the chief service um, here at St. Paul and Ida Grove. We're going to do the chief service tomorrow night, Friday night, at 7 o'clock. But we're going to do a trimmed down version, and it's going to be kind of blended with the tenebrae. And I'm going to explain to you what those two services are here in a moment. Um, So the chief service uh, begins, the way the chief service begins is it begins with the pastor's there, he's already there. Some churches will have it where the pastor will be laying face first on the floor, waiting for the people to come. Or maybe they might be kneeling at the communion rail or something like that. Either way, the pastor is dead center, waiting for you to come there. And at exactly 9 o'clock on the dot, um, he'll begin, or not 9 o'clock, 7 o'clock on the dot, or noon on the dot, The minute the service begins, he he goes in to the opening collect, and then the congregation may go to Psalm 22, which is appropriate because the last thing the congregation said on Monday Thursday was they they prayed together Psalm 22, and so here at the beginning of Good Friday they pray Psalm 22 together again, and so it's it's bridging the two services. and there's a couple other readings. There's usually an Old Testament lesson from Hebrews, um, and then there's also the Old Testament lesson, which is the prophecy of the suffering servant from Isaiah 52, and then they proceed, it process into the Gospel of John, and this is broken into several different sections, and they pray one, they read one by one, and it's interspersed uh, with. Um, the hymn traditionally O sacred head now wounded uh tomorrow we're going to use O dearest jesus what law hast thou broken instead i'm being a little bit rebellious i guess and so we're gonna you intersperse that and then there is a sermon and the sermon traditionally does not really have to be all that long and the reason is because not just because there was a really long scripture reading but the reason is that um, the, the scripture, the reason that it doesn't really have to be long is because like I said, what the scripture is, is the entire heart of our faith. The entire, it is, it is a sermon itself. I mean, all the pastor relates to do say, hey, that's for you. Go sit down. And, uh, and so it doesn't really have to be long, too terribly long, but there is one. Uh, the hymns of the day. Um, there are three potential hymns of the day with Good Friday. Uh, A Lamb Goes Uncomplaining Forth. Royal Banners Forward Go. And and the other one is uh, Sing My Tongue the Glorious Battle. So those are the three hymns of the day. Um, but anyways, after the sermon, this is where... Uh, the ten, the, ten, the chief service really stands out, is after the sermon. And that, I mean, there's a, there can be communion, like I said, but what really stands out is the adoration of the cross, where the pastor um, has exchange with the congregation.
1: He says, Behold the life, behold the life-giving cross. oh come, let us worship him.
0: So they do this three times. And on
1: the cross,
0: which is right at dead center in front of the congregation, the way we're gonna have it is we're gonna have it leaning against the altar. And it's gonna be covered in a black cloth. And after the pastor says each word, so he says, he's they say you do one exchange and one third of the cloth gets unveiled. They do another third. And another part of the cross gets unveiled. And at the end, they unveil the rest of the cross. And this is symbolizing the tearing of the curtain of the, in the temple um, when Jesus was crucified, um, as is recorded in um, the ga- Gospel of Ith- Matthew and Mark. I'm not sure if Luke's got it. I can't remember. But um, that's what it's symbolizing. It's the tearing of the curtain. And so it's to symbolize that by the power of the cross, the way to God is opened. Then, you go into the reproaches. And the reproaches are a particularly um, powerful piece of literature, of liturgy. And let me kind of look at, bring this up for you. Um, I don't have my order service I actually can pull it up here on my iPad because we're going to be doing this tomorrow, and it is on my iPad at the moment. And so this is what it says. It says, This is what the pastor says. I'm going to read each part of it. He says, Thus says the Lord, what have I done to you, O my people? And wherein have I offended you? Answer me. For I have raised you up out of the prison house of sin and death. And you have delivered up your Redeemer to be scourged. For I have redeemed you from the house of bondage. And you have nailed your Savior to the cross. O oh, my people. Again, thus, and then of course it's interspersed with the hymn, um, Lamb of God, pure and holy. And the, and I also, I mean, we're going to have the choir singing a part as well. But again, here's where the pastor goes. Thus, thus says the Lord, what have I done to you, O my people? And wherein have I offended you? Answer me. For I have conquered all your foes, and you have given me over and delivered me to those who persecute me. For I have fed you with my word and refreshed you with living water. And you have given me gall and vinegar to drink. O my people. It continues. This is the third one. Thus says the Lord. What have I done to you, O my people? And wherein have I offended you? Answer me. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? My people. Is this how you thank your God? Oh my people. So it's you read those words and it's just gut wrenching. Because it's I mean, it's speaking right at you that we bear the guilt for Jesus' death. We bear the guilt of the crucifixion. You know, we get into the throughout the history of the church, people have asked this question Who's to blame for Jesus' crucifixion? And the answer is you, me, we are the blame. And so th- those words that are chanted or spoken are just daggers um, speaking to to our sinful condition and the reality of the cross. And even you know, after the crucifixion's happened, how much we take for granted what he's done? I mean, if we actually took to heart. What the extent of what Jesus did for us, we would never, ever be absent from a church service. We'd never neglect the Lord's Supper. We'd never neglect to hear his word. But the very fact that we do shows that we are those bad grapes. We are the ones to whom he says, my people, is this how you thank your God? Powerful stuff. But anyway, so you're to hear that. And then at the end of this, after that, there's the adoration of the cross. And then traditionally the closing hymn is Sing My Tongue, The Glorious Battle, or Royal Banners Forward Go. And why this is really kind of neat is because if you go through all of our Lenten hymns in Lutheran service book, you will notice the fact that none of the hymns have... Um, have a, have a dox, do, Trinitarian doxology to close the hymn. So like a lot of our hymns throughout the hymn, will have a little triangle at the very end of it, where if you sing it, you're supposed to stand up. Well, in the season of Lent, none of the hymns are supposed to do that, with the exception of two. And those two hymns happen to be the two options for the final hymns of the chief service. And so there is that option for you to stand. And the hymn itself, Sing My Tongue the Glorious Battle, I mean, it is not exactly a depressing hymn. It's actually, to be honest, kind of uplifting. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a triumphant, and peck, the, the words itself tells you that. I mean, listen to this. Sing my tongue the glorious battle, sing the ending of the fray. So you listen to it, it is a victorious, a militant victory. And so this serves as a reminder that on Good Friday, it's a very solemn service. We're very much focusing on the death of Jesus and how the weight of our sin, But it does not allow you to walk away and forget that this cross is your victory. That's why we end the way, why it ends that way. Well, so the chief service ends, and churches may have a service at 3 o'clock. The Catholic Church traditionally, um, they do what is known as the stations of the cross. Um, Some may do nothing and then comes the tenebrae and the tenebrae is simply known it's basically the service of darkness and the reason it's called that is because the tenebrae service which starts seven eight o'clock towards the end late at night when it's getting darker it's called the service of darkness because the service literally does progressively get darker so you start out the service in, in silence like you do with the chief service And it focuses around John's gospel, like you did with the chief service. But what stands out different is that after each portion of John is read, a candle is extinguished. And some churches might be six, seven, whatever. They extinguish one of the candles one by one. And in the modern church, the lights of the church are put out one by one. And so they go through they put them out gradually, slowly, and by the end, the service, the church is black with the exception of one candle, and that is the Christ candle. It's the only candle remaining lit. And so the church with its dark, when it's completely dark, it's where it ends. and so they you sing the last hymn, say a last prayer, whatever, and then, Everything goes pitch black. And the Christ candle makes its way out of the sanctuary. It goes into... So the church is completely black and you hear a loud bang. The strepitus, as it's called. And this loud noise is a reminder of the tomb that was sealed. Or of the um, the scourging, the flogging of Jesus. It could remind... It serves the surge is various reminders even as the thunder um but either way it's this it's the reminder of his death ultimately um exactly what the sound sounds like don't get we don't get too caught up on it um usually it's um the slamming of a door or the slamming of a large book i find the lutheran service book altar book is great for slamming against the counter because i think that sucker is pretty heavy and so it makes a pretty good noise um, but that is kind of, and so, like I said, ends with the noise, ends with the darkness. And it serves as a wonderful setup to the Easter Vigil. And note, again, no benediction, no closing hymn. And the reason is, is again, this is not the end of the service. The service goes into a third day. Because notice, the chief service, or the or if you might have that, and the Tenebrae, and the Maundy Thursday service. It is all one service. When the service gets done, that's really just a break, a time to get a rest, to get a breather, and I'd say to go get something to eat, but honestly, like I said, most many make the practice that their fast is still going, and the fast will not break until the Easter Vigil, and or the Easter Sunrise service so you don't have a Vigil. And we'll talk about that. Um, I'll talk about that probably on Saturday. And I'll do a recording um, about the Easter Vigil, why we do what we do with that. Um, Until then, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you this Monday, Thursday. And go to the service. Go to as many of the Holy Week service, these three days, four days going into Easter as you can. Make sure you partake of the Lord's Supper, um, things like that. So uh, with that, I conclude with a single hymn. And I think this is a good hymn to sing on Maundy Thursday. Uh, The name of the hymn is called When You Woke That Thursday Morning. I like it because it is a hymn that I like. It's kind of, it just makes you think narratively. That, you know, when Jesus... Was at that table, he knew, when he was at that Last Supper, he knew very much so that one of them was going to betray him, another was going to deny him, and the rest of them were going to desert him. He knew that he was going to be flogged, that he was going to be um, mocked, humiliated, that he eventually be crucified. And in his crucifixion, he would bear the sins of the entire world. And so the weight that that must have had just is astounding. And so for that reason, I find that this hymn, When You Woke That Thursday Morning, is such an appropriate uh, Maundy Thursday hymn. So we begin.
1: When you woke that Thursday morning, Save your teacher, faithful friend, thoughts of self and safety scorning, knowing how the day would end. Lamb of God, foretold for ages, now at last the hour had come, when but one could. Pay sin's wages, you assume their dreadful sum. Never so alone and lonely, longing with tormented heart, to be with your dear ones only, for a quiet hour upon. Sinless lamb and fallen creature, one last pastoral meal to eat, one last lesson as their teacher, washing your disciples' feet. What was there that you could give them that would never be outspent. What great gift that would I live them? What less will and test a man? Show me and the world you love me. Know me as the Lamb of God. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat this body, drink this blood. <clears throat> one in faith, in love, united, all one body, you the hand. When we meet by you, invited. You are with us as you stand. One with you and one another in a unity sublime. See in us your sister, brother, one in every place and time. One day all the church will capture that bright vision glorious, and your saints will know the rapture that your heart desire for us. When the long for peace and union of the greatest and the least Meet in joyous, blessed communion in your never-ending feast.
0: The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a blessed uh, triduum. Uh, and I'll be back tomorrow with a recording for Good Friday, and again on Saturday for Holy Saturday, and then again probably something on Easter if I have the energy to do so, and I will also upload my good my, um, the sermons that I do preach this weekend, so, with that I leave you with a recording, I leave you, and I pray again a blessed, uh, try do them, a blessed Easter weekend.
2: I knew something must be wrong. There were no joyful worshippers there, no joyful worship song. Can I He barely. give them Never have I seen such love in any other eye Into thy hands I commit my And I felt these little hands Holding on to mine My children stood there weeping And I heard the oldest sing